Hello, uh, thank you for joining us for Church Unscripted. Uh, my name is Luke Chappelle. I am joined today uh, by David Johnson and John Mueller. Uh, and we're going to have some fun today. Please feel free to uh, like, comment, subscribe. Um, and uh, we'll see where the conversation in God leads us. Does that sound okay for everybody? Good yeah, point. yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if you said no, that was going to be awkward, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, or we could figure out why. So, <laughs> so John, um, you challenged us a lot yesterday. I really, really enjoyed it. So thank you. Thank you for uh, the sharing. And also thank you for your vulnerability at the end. Um, your dad's story was awesome. So thank you for that. And hopefully we can dive into that a little bit today. Is Would that be all right if, yeah. we, if we do that? You didn't ask me before, so we're good right. now. Right, okay, all right. <laughs> if you said well, no, we'd have a problem. I've got lots of questions. I don't know if there's a lot of continuity between the questions, so we'll just kind of see how this goes and if it flows. Um, and if it doesn't, you guys don't, you know, you can just fire me and then I won't, you know, come back or anything. So, so one of the things that, that I really enjoyed about the way that you unpacked um, Zacchaeus is, is, is you used the word um, relationally poor. I think that was the phrase yeah, that she yeah, used yeah. as you as you unpacked. You know, if we if we look at him, we we end up with this guy that, um, you know, really puts himself in a rough position because he's effectively rejected by all the Jews, right? Yeah. And then you know he's obviously not accepted by the Romans, though he's doing mm-hmm. what they want him to do, right? Yeah. So he he's on an island, right? Uh, you know, when I look at our current society, I see, I see a lot of the same thing, not necessarily manifesting itself in the same way, but how, what do you think, you know, I think, you know, as we talk about gathering at a table, as we talk about, you know, trying to invest in our neighbors, right? I think we're trying to introduce Jesus to them for a lot of the same reasons. There's, there's relational, there's, um, lack of relational equity in our current society. What do what do you think creates that? Ooh, you just, you are pulling the same thing I do to Eric every week. Which is what? Drop a deep question at the beginning. I'm sorry, was I supposed to come up with <laughs> no, no, cupcakes? Because no, 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 I'm not no, no. good at talking about the weather. Cupcakes, cupcakes. <laughs> like, I, I stink at, like, weather questions. So, so why, so why do you think there's a lack of relational equity presently? Yeah. Present day. Like, if you look at our current um, society, like with our neighbors. And the, and, and, the, the very thing that, that we thought would draw us together has drawn us apart. Ooh, okay. You so know unpack that. Thing is? Well, Technology. I have. I mean, I have a guess. Social media, yeah. right? Like the reality is, um, you don't talk to your neighbors unless something bad's happening. Sure. You know, like mm-hmm. you know, I we we have a neighbor that um, my wife and I are kind of concerned about. Yeah, sure. She's losing some of her memory and stuff, mm-hmm. and we're talking with the neighbors and trying to make sure that she doesn't like walk across the street and not look or something like that mm-hmm. happens, right? Well, that's why we're talking to our neighbors, and I'm like, well when do we talk to our neighbors when something good's happening? You know, it's like <laughs> legitimately we're trying to problem solve to help yeah. our neighbor. Mm. But on the other hand, it's like, when do we just say, hey, you want to come over for dinner? Mm-hmm. No, we've already got our church friends for that. Or we've already got our right. family or mm-hmm. our extended family or whoever. Yeah. We don't even think that maybe our neighbors are just as lonely as Ooh. maybe we are yeah. outside of those people groups or those, those social groups. So, um, but I think relational equity specifically doesn't happen because um, we're in such a culture that if you speak up, there's you get targeted. So like Ooh. if you speak up in a certain way, you're going to get canceled. If you say if you say something that you really truly believe, maybe people will look at you funny, mm-hmm. or maybe they won't even talk to you again. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of times when I've been a, as a pastor, I've talked to someone and said something very genuine, mm-hmm. 
and they completely rejected what I said. And there was nothing wrong mm. with what I said. It was just yeah, who I am. I'm like, okay. Uh, it wasn't something sinful. It wasn't like, it was kind of neutral, but they didn't like what I said. So, right. um, you know, we're, we're coming off the cusp of 2020 where people over the span of the last like three years have said, I'm not even going to follow my family on social media, let alone right. in the same room with them right. because yeah. of their view on something as simple as a vaccine. Sure. Do you see what I'm saying? A mask, a mask whatever, whatever it is. We're just deciding to and pick so sides. And, yeah. the, the difficulty with relational equity is I think we're starting to fight battles that we never should have fought in the first place. Ooh, right. And so Christians are doing that. Amen. So is everybody. They're fight, we're fighting battles that don't matter. Um, when there's an eternal battle happening. So, I mean, I see that as the focus, even mm -hmm. with Jesus and Zacchaeus. Right. He's pointing his finger at the people. I'm like, hey, you guys, like, you're frustrated. Why are you frustrated? I'm sitting down with someone, and this is an eternal conversation. What you're having is a existential, like, oh, no, he's a sinner conversation. Right. Like, mm -hmm. that doesn't matter as much mm -hmm. as his eternity. Sure. So, I don't no, know. I th I think that's, no, I think that's great. Throw that back in, my, my wife and I were joking or, um, or maybe I was lamenting and she was just uh, empathizing with me because um, she has to put up with that a lot at our house. But, you know, I, I, you know, if you rewind a couple of decades, right, you, when people used to come and knock on your door or ring the doorbell, like people were like, oh, somebody's here to see us, right? Yeah. And you would go visit or you would hang out, right? Or when you, the phone used to ring, I don't know if you guys are old enough to Remember, like, when the phone rang, it was like, oh, mad dash for the phone, right? Like, oh, who called David, us? David, you're that old? I don't feel like I'm even that old. What are you talking about? I, I did remember you have, that. Did you have the dial like this? My grandma did. Yeah. Oh, okay, 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 your grandma. All right. But I mean, like, she still has it. <laughs> she and now, And now we're at a place where, like, when somebody rings the doorbell, you you just kind of want to peek through the window to like see okay just who, look on my video doorbell like like yeah look at my yeah look at my ring camera right and like oh do I even want to go answer do I want to pretend like I'm not home yeah right or someone calls you like yeah I don't want to talk to them right now right. and so we just don't yeah right what what I mean social media is uh, I mean an obvious choice right. but what else like what do you feel like are some of the other undertones well, I, one society? of the things I always think about is we went from a front porch society to a fenced-in yard society Ooh. so it, was, it went from front porch to back porch and then we fenced ourselves in and then I think technology drew us then within the house so now people aren't even outside they're in mm -hmm. the house on their phones or whatever gaming whatever it is um and I was just I mean I was just thinking about this we were on vacation and uh one of the things that I tried really hard not to do was use a screen right or not use my phone not be on social media and I found myself just looking up more and like mm. noticing things about my kids or noticing things about the weather or whatever. And I think that's part of it is like when, when we do leave our houses, we're stuck with our faces down. So when you walk through the grocery store, <laughs> it's amazing how many people are like pushing a grocery cart while doing this. Right. So there's not even an opportunity to notice someone you, you, or be You can't noticed. turn and like smile at them or anything because they're yeah. not going to smile back. Right, they're yeah. looking at the top of so the I think I think it's just been a series of things like that just we, I mean, even in church, I mean, we, we're so, we're so hurried that we're just like, hey, how are you doing? Good, good. Right. You? Great. Okay. Right. Move on. And we talk about that all the time. But how many of us are actually doing anything about it? Like we're, we're just, mm -hmm. we're comfortable with being like the, hey. How's it going? Great. Okay. Have a good week. I'll see you next Sunday in the same seat and you'll give me the same answer and life is peachy. 
Like, I, well, well, so, so I think, I think you, you're tying into two things. One, um, before we started the series, I had preached on Jesus-centered presence, and um, yes, I talked about the photos that had the people looking at their phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you yep. see families all looking at yep. their phones. Um, you know, taking pictures of people like looking at their phones. If you go to an airport, it's like that. It, there's plenty of places. The second thing that you're identifying is relational equity requires time. Ooh. Because you can't say good, great, and then like that. That's like, oh, this is the quick answer. Like the amount of people that yeah, ask, good, great, say, just means don't bother. Me. I, I, <laughs> if people know me on Sunday morning, usually I'm walking this way and that way a few times, yeah. and every time I walk by, they're like, "How are you doing?" And I'm like thinking, well, if I give you a real answer, I don't have time for that. Right, you know, like exactly. Right you know, right? And yeah. so, so I, think, I think relational equity, the other part of it is we are confused about what time, what time that matters. Mm. So we're, we're beholden to a clock because we're American. I would just say that more generally. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of realizing that, that God really cares about the moments that we are with people and present with people. Mm. And so those moments could be small. Those could be long moments. Um, they can look very different. Um, you know, they can lead to prayer in the moment, like praying over someone or something like that. Um, I think of how many times the most vital relational equity moment actually happens spontaneously rather than planned. Mm. Like you can't you can't necessarily plan for relational equity. If th- does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, absolutely. I'm, does. I'm seeing the look on your face. I'm like, oh, wait, is Luke? No, I'm tracking? thinking. So <laughs> sorry. So you can't you can't plan for. Oh, I'm going to get really close to this person. It kind of just happens. And now that sounds so like hallmarky or like something. But though. There is. I mean, you're you not have to pursue get, people. Yeah, yeah. Jesus pursued Zacchaeus. Like he wouldn't have. Right. But I would say it's a general, it's a very general pursuit rather than a, well, I'm going to plan one hour every week. And that hour, I'm going to get this far oh, in my relational yeah, equity. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you can't say, okay, I'm going to do this. You just need no, to you're about, saying, I'm going to spend an hour with this person. You just need to be about other people. And less about yourself. Yes. And that will actually happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you see okay. what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not saying you don't like be intentional. It's just, yeah. right. You can't anticipate how far that's going to go. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up because, like, as one of the things that I sometimes struggle with, and, and you guys have done a good job of it with me, is, you know, a lot of times when people reach out to me, and I'm sure this happens to you guys as pastors too, um, you know, people reach out to me, they have some sort of agenda in mind. Maybe they want to have a phone conversation. Maybe they want to have lunch. Maybe they and so like, I found myself now at the beginning of conversations. Like I'll sit down with lunch for, with somebody. So what do you, what were you hoping to to cover in this lunch? What were you hoping to cover in this breakfast? Done that to what? me. What are you talking yeah, about? You're right. I have. What I know. Hat do you want me to wear? Yeah. Today? No, but do you want I, me I to do. be a friend? Do you want me to be a pastor, an elder? A, like yeah. I have to. I have to be conscious to ask that question. And and I, I've just been refreshed as of late because people have been coming. Oh no, I just wanted to get to know you. And I'm like. How refreshing. Like, I, like my mood, my guard drops, Yeah. right? And so I'm just trying to think about being on the receiving end of someone reaching out to me going, hey, we would love for you to come into our home, mm-hmm. right? And it's, and it's how, do we, how do we then set the stage for people that we're inviting you in mm-hmm. with zero agenda yeah. other than to love and to get to know you? John, you're already like like, nine steps in. Oh, I was already nine steps in because I'm like thinking about so many things when you say that. One of the things I'm thinking of, it goes right back to what Zacchaeus had. Do you notice it says actually in Luke 19, verse five, he looked up at him. So Jesus is looking up at Zacchaeus in the tree and said, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. 
He doesn't say, I must stay at your house and you need to make me a nice meal. He doesn't stay, say, I'm yeah. staying at your house for whatever extended period. He's just like, hey, we're going to hang out. Mm-hmm. And Zacchaeus, he knows, is going to receive that because, again, he's God and he's Jesus and just he knows. <laughs> like, so that was easy. He doesn't have to feel the rejection there <laughs> that we do sometimes. But it's interesting because Zacchaeus's response comes before Jesus says anything. That's something I, I shared on Sunday. And I think it's because it was the sheer act of him just receiving him without like preconditions. Ooh. So like, I think of it like this. Um, I, I have a confession. I've invited people over and thought this person needs Jesus. Rightfully so. No, no but like, I'm, I'm saying, but I'm saying. Don't we all? I mean, I'm saying, like, I'm, they, I'm no, confused. But, I, but, like, but wait, but wait, wait, wait. It is became an agenda rather than a uh, presence issue. Yeah. It became an agenda like, sure, this yeah. person needs to hear the gospel, yeah. so I'm going to tell them the gospel because I'm going to orchestrate this conversation so that it ends up in this because way because that right. becomes an agenda. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think for us, especially when we're talking about like our neighbors, I think as Christians we can become very agenda driven. Like we talk about it at church, so we're like, right. okay, I need to save my neighbors. Yes, and so every time we talk to them, it's like this agenda to mm. the church something so when you say hey come into my house for dinner they're like uh-uh like I've, yeah. already, I've already been in the driveway with you and you've already tried to get me with that jesus thing or whatever it is and i think it's important to be i mean we're not jesus so we can't just say hey <laughs> i'm coming in and i'm gonna tell you about jesus um but i mean maybe we could but might we're not yeah. Billy Graham. Yeah. I'll leave it at that. But I think I think they call that breaking and entering. Yeah, <laughs> they call it, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's I laws against that. <laughs> like, this has <laughs> just become the most awkward church unscripted ever. Yeah, breaking and entering. I doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt this is the most but awkward. I, one. I think that there's an importance there when we talk about the relational equity of like just being available. Like, if your neighbor wants to borrow a tool, just like give them the tool without like right. any kind of gospel message or like just be present. Mm. And eventually when you say, hey, why don't you come on? Uh, we're going to have dinner or we're going to have a fire or whatever. They'll say, well, yeah, because you've been nothing but kind and loving to me. Mm. You yeah. haven't tried to have an agenda with me. Well, and and I think I think it's hard sometimes because many of us, when we're in a situation, we see this and we see another Christian invite someone over that we know the, the, the dirt, the tea, you know, we spilled the tea about or whatever. Have you guys heard that? Yeah, sorry, you lost me. Yeah, so so basically we know. Gossip. Oh, okay. So, yeah, yeah. so we know, we know, okay, this person, we know that they did this or they did that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then we end up acting like the people did, which immediately after Zacchaeus is invited and he's joyful in verse seven, it just says, he's gone into the, be the guest of a man who's a sinner. The whole crowd's grumbling at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think we as Christians need to not prejudge others' intentions because they may not have, they may not have the knowledge we have, but they all may also, that may be a gift Mm. so that they can Mm. be present with people that maybe ignorance have harmed other people. Mm -hmm. No, I'm serious. Like, no, I know it is. So, so I think of it, it it goes, it goes two ways. Um, Maybe this is, uh, it goes two ways. You don't know the story. This is what I yeah. said on Sunday. You don't know the story of the person sitting across the table from you. Yep. And I think yep. sometimes that's a good thing when it starts mm. yeah. because otherwise you'll have an agenda from the beginning and be My. like, well, I need to tell them this yeah. or they, I need to mm-hmm. say this. Um, I do think though that the reason Christians tend to struggle with having an agenda 
and that wasn't your question, but I'm just going to go there, is because we see that in the world in conversations that we have. Yeah, sure we do. Like you have the, um, what, what I'm thinking, like, like a pyramid scheme. So I'll just say it that way. Yeah. You know, where it's like you're selling yourself. Yeah, sure. As, okay, go buy this product. And if you buy this product, hey, you can be a person selling this product too, da, 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 and keep going to that. Yep. So we have, everything's agenda driven. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I remember- um, Capitalism will do that. When Tom Bernardo was here a few <laughs> weeks ago in the table series, and he talked about, he, he was excited to go over to this friend's house, and then they ended up selling him, and he was totally dejected. I can't tell you how many times I've received like a message on Facebook or something yep. of someone that I'm like, oh, I haven't been in touch with them in a while. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh. They're trying to sell me something. And I'm like, this is like, I'm like, no, I don't want to buy what you're selling. I just thought of you the other day. I hope you're doing really well. Oh, by the way, do you need knives? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, that's seriously. So like, that's, I mean. Oils or doorwets. So how how do we, how do we. Stay away from name. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. And people, people, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I think people have a perception of Christians. Some people have a perception Mm -hmm. of Christians is we're selling Jesus. And I don't think we need to Amen. So there's no agenda about that because we're just going to be like Jesus. Okay. We're like Jesus because we can't be like Jesus. I mean, like on our own. So you touched on this earlier. And I think that, I think this is huge. You know, we, so far we've talked a little bit about, about like strategy around this. Like how do we make sure that, you know, what's the, yeah. let's make sure we don't have an agenda. But then also like what, add to that a little bit. You, I mean, you touched on this a little bit when you're like, okay, well, Jesus knows and Jesus is secure and whatever. <laughs> but how do we do that? Mm. Like how do we um, be image bearers of Christ in, in mindset? as we invite people into our homes. And, and what I, I guess what I'm driving at is, you know, Jesus is 100% secure with who he is, mm-hmm. right? He, um, he knows he will get rejected. He tells us we will get rejected. Mm-hmm. So how do we enter into these, these maybe awkward or uncomfortable, but obedient mm-hmm. commands? Mm-hmm with the right Christ-like posture. Mm. Wow. Oh, I'm going to David. Uh, well, when he's saying <laughs> oh, that. He go, and whenever he says, wow, I love him talking first. <laughs> no, I, 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 he'll never when, say wow when, again. When he, wow. <laughs> taking that out of my voice. <laughs> when you said that, I was just, I was kind of picturing like, I mean, Jesus said we'll be rejected. He was rejected. So it's almost the greatest honor Ooh. to be rejected. Okay. Um, and I'm not saying that as an excuse for an agenda, but there, I, I wonder if there is maybe a little bit more boldness that we need. Okay. Um, just to, not to be chaotic or uh, reckless or anything like that, but I think a lot of times we're not building relational equity because we don't want the rejection. Okay. And we have sure. to recognize that sometimes th- that rejection um, is actually the Lord growing us Ooh. and preparing us for the next conversation. Yep. And and we also have to recognize that we're we're just seed planters or waterers or sowers or whatever. Ooh. We don't actually mm-hmm. do we don't actually do the harvesting. And so we have to just recognize that every rejection may be a seed planted because that person will probably remember your conversation if they act out in a rejection. And that could lead to somebody else being able to have a better conversation with them mm. um, because of what the Holy Spirit's doing in, in that person. Wow. So 
I think we're too busy wanting to be the one. Yeah. That is having the that last second conversation mm. instead of realizing that sometimes it takes uh, obedience over years as a Christian wow. of sharing your faith. Um, and I think sharing your faith uh, in our culture, sometimes Christians think we need to speak first and listen later and we really need to listen yeah. first and speak later. Yeah. I'm just saying like, like I don't know. No, when, we don't do that. Okay. Do we? <laughs> when I'm, when I'm in a conversation with someone and I don't know their story, I don't know how to apply the gospel to their life. Mm. And that's the thing is really what we're, our, our responsibility is, is to transform the world rather than be overcome by it. And Jesus says, we're going to be overcome the world mm. as well. And so if we're going to transform the world, it's got to start with listening to other people's stories, asking curious questions, mm. realizing that the conversation with most um, people that don't believe in Christ are not going to, it's not going to be about you ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe, maybe not at all. Yeah. And that's okay. And the thing is, um, some of us, that's like, oh, that saps us. But even on Sunday, I was trying to make the point, like, you need to surround yourself with some, quote, unquote, Zacchaeus-type sinners, right? But on the other hand, you can't surround yourself with only those people because you're really going to struggle as a Christian well, to have other Christian Yeah, I mean, we, sisters, even, so. we even see Christ do that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we see Christ take breaks. Yeah. We see him escape to intimacy with the father, right? Mm-hmm. We see him just spending time with his, with his close-knit circle. We see him really splitting up his time yeah. uh, throughout the gospels in equitable ways. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, so back, to your, back to your question again, because I think this is what the important part is. Okay, so yes, we're not 100% secure like Christ is, right? Fair. We could say that- I mean, so, I'm not gonna claim to be like Christ. <laughs> in that 100%. 100%. But, but I think where, where Satan tries to produce a wedge that does not allow us to keep space at our table for others is when we have one bad experience and then we say, we're gonna apply that to every experience. And I think a lot of people, uh, I, I've done that before. Yeah. Right, I stepped out once, it didn't go well. Yeah, I, I talked to my neighbor and invited him over the conversation got on spirituality and they completely rejected me. Hmm. Well, they weren't rejecting you. They were rejecting Jesus. And that's the easy cop-out answer. Ooh, it is. Like, this it doesn't necessarily heart, help your but, heart a but, whole lot. But I think relational equity has to be built first before mm. you speak truth. Because many times as Christians, I think in our culture, especially our political culture even, hmm. we speak truth before we speak anything in love. And there was right. a guy recently, like David, David and I were at something and, he said, you know, I'm, I've been trying to figure out with my wife and I think this applies to this too. I need, I, you know, I was so focused on being right, but I wasn't ever loving. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the same for relating to people. Yeah. Right? Like we as Christians can sit on our high horse and think we're a knight in shining armor and the rest of the world's looking at us as a know-it-all and no one likes a know-it-all. Let's just be honest. Right. So, I mean, so how do, how do we invite people in in a space that, is receptive. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't a know-it-all to Zacchaeus. I mean, li- listen to this. He gets blasted for going to the house of a man of a sinner. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, he said to Jesus, behold, Lord, he's calling him Lord. Yep. Jesus hasn't said anything as far as we know. He's just at his house. Mm-hmm. Right. How did he know? I want to be like that. So much so that people see Jesus in me mm-hmm. and like the story I told at the end of the sermon, they go, I want whatever you have. I don't know what it is. I don't understand it, but it's not what I've experienced in life. And so that's, that's part of the problem is we are focused as Christians sometimes on being real and authentic, Mm -hmm. which is great. 
but we lose sight of the purity of the gospel and the fact that the gospel is actually a higher standard than we can ever attain because it's found in Jesus. It's not found in us. And so we're, we're saving people that, oh, you need to clean up or you need to do this. Mm. And a lot of people have this perception that you need to get clean before you come to Jesus. And the problem is it actually says in first John that you go to him to become clean and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I mean, it's backwards. Mm -hmm. So what have we been messing up in our conversations or how we're talking to people? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I don't, I don't know that I have any good answers for it. So. Sorry, I feel like I'm preaching a second sermon. Look at this. It's like, you're, yeah. you're fine. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm just yeah, going to yeah. take a step back now. You can finish this up. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> so then, so I'm going to take a little bit of a detour here because I think this is, this is an important thing. You know, we, we, you, you spent a lot of time talking about um, Zacchaeus as kind of an enemy, if yeah, you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think that, I, and I can talk out of both sides of my mouth on this one. Oh, Luke, the devil's advocate coming I, I'm, out. Yeah, okay, I know. Right. I'm really bad at that. I'm either really good at that or bad at it. One of the two, depending <laughs> on what side of the fence you're on. I think it's sometimes difficult. You know, you gave the example of, uh, you know, Palestinians and Israel today, right? Yeah. As being kind of what the extreme example of that is, right? Yeah. As sheltered Midwestern American Christians... Okay. We sometimes, I think, struggle with the whole enemy yeah. concept, right? Help, help translate that for us who are in our neighborhoods and, and how do we engage? Well, uh, you know, I'm going to use a bunch of old sayings like you catch more flies with honey and all that kind of stuff, right? Okay. That's, but... <laughs> You, you know, catch more I, flies I, with honey. I thought I was the oldest person at the table, but you are okay. proving to be the oldest person I know. I by brought decades up, I brought up, at this uh, well, table. I didn't bring up Andy Griffith. Mm-hmm. What did I bring up last time? Like, leave it to Beaver. That's what I brought up one time. So, um, <laughs> so I grew I'm, up on I Love Lucy. So it's I'm just okay. I'm just cultured, man. Just cultured. That's what I tell people. Cultured. So, so <laughs> the the idea of being an enemy of God. Zacchaeus was an enemy of God. He was lost. Okay. He was greedy. Okay. He was corrupt. Wow. And he stole and extorted from his own people, including the disadvantaged. Is that not the anti-gospel right there? Fair enough. Yeah. So he was an enemy. There are people that are in our community that are doing the same. Ooh, wow. And yet those are the very people that Jesus sat down with. Right. And so we don't see it mm. because we're, we're like, oh, that person's just doing business or that person's mm. just doing this. And you don't start realizing that, no, they are doing those things. There's also people that are what I would call in another group that I didn't mention on Sunday, God fears that are very ethical, very moral people, but they don't know Jesus and they're still lost. And so we really have kind of three categories versus just two. Um, I would say it's easier to surround yourself with people that are lost, but very moral. And it's a lot harder to surround yourself as a Christian with people that are showing the enemy signs. Let's just put it that way. Hmm. Um, and Satan's very deceptive, right? So the people that are very moral have been deceived that they can do something good to attain hmm. eternity or goodness or something after life. And I think those tend to be the harder people to save. And Jesus went after the enemies. I'm just serious. Those are the people <laughs> well, who no, see I- that their own actions matter more than what Jesus did when he died on the cross. Right. That's why I'll go back to the cross. 
enemies of the cross see the cross and they think it's foolish. That's what scripture tells us, okay? And they see the cross and they think, oh, that is completely foolish. Resurrection, oh, I don't, I don't believe that happened. You notice it's mm. belief again. So it's almost an anti-faith, anti-Christ like there. And so, so there is enemies. But here's the thing. Enemies can be our friends. Enemies of God can be our friends. And that's what I was trying to explain on Sunday is if you look at this, Zacchaeus became a friend of God mm. through Jesus's interaction with him at his house. Mm. And so we can do the same thing. We can invite people into our home. Don't think of them as an enemy because you'll, you'll get so lost on that concept that you're forgetting the fact that they're a child of God right. that is loved by God, that have dignity. And Jesus, what he does to his enemies right here <laughs> is he gives him value and dignity mm. when no one else was. So mm. I, 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 I get the, the Midwestern naivete. Yeah, and like, right. but, but the reality is we have enemies all around us. Well, I think that's the that's the important thing is that I think when you talk about love your enemy, a lot of times we're thinking like, okay, so who who is fighting against me? Right. Right. But I think the important distinction that you just made is that your enemy is is someone who is against the will of God. Yes. And so it's not yes. it's not a you stole from me, so you're my enemy, so I'm gonna love you, because you could you could be you could love Jesus. You know, yeah. like it's it's a uh, I think it's just important to make that distinction like is, you just did because well, I think, yeah I've never honestly I've never really had that mm -mm. kind of thought yeah to me yeah. The, to me the piece that yeah I haven't either and, and it really comes down to what kingdom do you belong to right right yeah and if you're not part of this kingdom well then you're working against that kingdom in, right in in Zacchaeus's case so to give everyone like uh, unpack it a little bit no it's crazy stake case there was very present like he did this against us you know what i'm saying right, right but that's right. not always the case someone can be an enemy and they've done nothing to you that's wronged you in any way they can still be an right enemy. That, yeah but but i think jesus went around making friends of the disadvantaged friends of the people that were in zacchaeus estate case relationally poor mm -hmm. of the people that maybe others neglected um and i think he did it in such a way that people were shocked with the people he spent time with. And I think right. that's really what yeah. we're called to is we may not realize where the enemies of God mm. are that we need to reach yeah. individually. Ooh. So it may be in our workplace, but it also may be at the coffee shop. It may be our neighbors. It might be the neighbor that you really don't like because they're arguing with you about your fence. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm serious. Ironic. <laughs> like I recently, I, I remember thinking that... Uh, where we used to live, there was a, there was a guy that got in a, a fence dispute. That's what came to mind when yeah, I was right. about all this, right? And it was like, is this why you like, power washed your fence? Is this I'm no? Confused. Okay, I, fair enough. No, I didn't, I didn't power wash my fence for this, but but it was it was like okay, it's over the property line or it's on this side, da, da, da. and like people are fighting about this, and it is getting like straight out of like maybe a movie where there's going to be some rage, something happens, <laughs> someone dies or whatever. And I'm realizing like, this is, this is so ridiculous because that doesn't represent Christ whatsoever. Mm. If, if we're, it, it goes back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago. We have to fight the right battles. And if we're fighting based on, okay, someone is an enemy of God or they're not an enemy of God, that's the big picture. Yeah, That's it. There's no other like, oh, well, they've wronged me and they're still a believer and now they're my enemy. No, that, there's no category for that. Mm -hmm. So, so then, it's not as black and white, but. You know. Well, no, I think, I, I think that's super helpful. Mm. So, then, so then let's, un, let's, you know, I think one of the biggest 
I'm going to get on my soapbox here for just a second. So forgive me. Luke preaching. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a scary moment. I think, I think one of the things that, the, that we've done a really, any time the church decides to fight a culture war, it's going to lose. Okay. Because we're fighting, we're, we're effectively saying something is bad, right? And so anyone who does this is bad. Are you talking about playing cards or dancing? I mean, or it could be any culture go, going war. Going girls that do, isn't that? Something along those yeah. lines. I mean, it could be any culture war that we've, you know, tried to fight in the last, I don't know, 100 years plus, right? Mm-hmm. And we can see the side effects of that yeah. uh, for, for decades and decades. How do we engage then well with people like Christ did here? Mm-hmm. Um, when we know they're on the other side of a culture that we are struggling to, um, let's see, what's the right word? We're struggling to engage with. How do we do that well as Christians? Well, I think there's a line. I mean, David, if you want to speak up on this, I got a couple ideas real quick. Okay, so so I think there's a line that, Christians have crossed over the last 50 years. I've read a few books on um, this. And one of the things that I think we've crossed is um, we've either taken ourselves out of the game, like when it comes to cultural issues, which I think is probably our current state. We've just said we're not going, we're going to ignore it. We're going to ignore it. We're not going to discuss it. Um, We've done, the second road is we have spewed so much truth and we've, like I, I said earlier, we tried to be right rather than loving. Um, and then there's the third group that's so loving that they forgot what it says in here. Ah, and so there's there's these kind of three groups. Um, well said. I think. Okay. And so the difficulty as a Christian is where where do you balance all that and what right. does it look like? And I I've had this struggle because I don't think like this, but I've seen a lot of people and a lot of people close to me think like this. It's Christians said blank. And they don't take the context of what was said. They just take what was said. Sure. And it can be truth. And it can actually be a, in a very caring way, but it's taken Could completely be. opposite. Correct. And that's because there's this statement, and now that statement is completely stagnant. And I think we have, uh, I don't want to use the word necessarily evolving issues, but we have issues that keep changing. Like what, where, where is the issue right now that we're talking about? 10, 15 years ago, it was gay marriage. Now yeah. it's transgenderism and, and things like that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the, the sticks have moved and Christians are just like- Before oh, that, it was premarital sex. Before that, it was yeah, drinking. Before that, yeah, I mean, yeah. we can, yeah, we can the, make a list. You go back yeah. to the 50s, it's the, it's the pill, like there's right. these kind of things. Yep. So the issue, I think, with Christians is we don't engage those issues to redeem them. Ooh. We engage those issues to tell people what not to do. Mm. And that's my biggest problem mm. when I listen to- yeah, yeah, mic drop. Yeah. yeah, that was that was. Um, we're not looking at those issues as things that affect hu- hum- human people. We're looking at them as this is right or wrong. Like it's on the page. Sure, like this is what it is. Sure, and we don't realize that there's profoundly impacted people that really might actually be open to Jesus, like Zacchaeus mm-hmm. was. But we're losing that opportunity because we're coming across and saying, "Well, this is what it is." Jesus didn't even speak before Zacchaeus repented. Do you understand? Like, I mean, when yeah. I read this, no, I'm like I, freaking I'm out about it because I'm like, totally I'm like, with you. What did Jesus have in his presence that Zacchaeus was like, I'm going to give away all my money. He's the opposite of the rich young ruler. He's yep. just like, hey, 
I'm just going to, I'm going to do this. Um, but I think it comes at the core. There's, there's a desire in our hearts mm. that is, that is to, to help others. Mm. There's also a desire that's counterbalancing that. And that's the desire to be right. Ooh. And so we can't always help others and mm. shove what's right in their face. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, I think honestly, most of the most effective conversations I've had with someone with a different viewpoint that's not a Christian have been conversations where I'm, I'm speaking less at the start and more at the end. Mm. And so it's, right. it's a receiving yeah. and then... Now at the beginning, that, it should be about 90-10. Well, yeah. So, like, you, you listen ninety percent of the you time. Flip that, and so that's why we've lost cultural issues. Is um, maybe maybe we're just honestly want to be right, and and we feel like we've got God's word on our side. Guess mm. what? What do you do to and have a conversation with someone that says, uh, "I get that that's your standard, but it's not mine." So, how do you get them there apologetically? And then, how do you say, "This is how I live my life." You need to live that. You're basically telling people to do something. You're basically trying to force them into faith. It's yeah, manipulation. Right, right. So we as Christians haven't realized the difference between manipulation and influence sometimes. Ooh. So it's more about influencing someone. Sounds like the next John Mueller book. It's a, yeah, it's a less about manipulation because- there's the first one? Because we're trying to push- I think there's a couple, yeah. Yeah, we're trying to push <laughs> people in a direction, um, but they don't want to go. And, and I think it's scary. I don't like getting pushed. No, I can spot a salesman like. Well, yeah, it goes, yeah. I was so just gonna say like, it goes back to the salesman conversation from twenty minutes ago. Yeah. Right? So, so I think I think mm. it is a little bit. Uh, it's complicated. I don't think we're giving answers here. I think we're just talking through things. Well, so, I, but I but I think that's I think that's the beauty of this conversation, though. Mm-hmm. The beauty of this conversation is none of us have like this is how you do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the other piece that's the beauty of this conversation is we're we're, we're trying to model in this conversation how to yeah. have a conversation and not have all of the answers. Well, I, think, I think one of the things I was thinking about, like obviously, John, you mentioned talking less. I think that's really important and asking questions. But one of the things I was thinking about is I think we, we tend to avoid cultural issues or being with people who are on the other side of the fence of us. Oh, yes. Um, because we're afraid of what other people are going to think about us. Like mm, Sure. Like if I spend time with this person all these people in here are going to think that I don't even love Jesus, but really that, that, yeah. Or that my theology is wrong yeah, or that so I fill th- in the blank. I think yeah. The church right. has actually shot at itself in that way yeah. as, as a collective, um, because we, we tend to, I can't believe you would go to that protest or I can't believe you would right. sit in that house or I can't believe that you would, you know, all these things. And so we're actually shaming our own people when the heart of that person may just be like, I'm going to go, be with them because I want them to know that I love them as a human being. Right. And then yes. from that place, then I can have the cultural issue conversation because they actually trust me and they love me. Yeah. Like it, I think. Well, and you just, you just brought up something that I think uh, most believers don't realize. Like we are on mission. And if you're on mission, you are going to be with people that don't think like you or act like you. Right. We do shoot ourselves in the foot. I mean, look at the people. In the passage, he's gone to be the guest of who's a sinner. Right. Like the, the, the religious people are sh- called out even Jesus Absolutely. for doing that. Um, I think on the other hand, uh, it's really hard to engage with an issue that maybe you don't feel that you can present the Christian view of. 
Right. I think sometimes we're so worried about that that we right. don't realize is actually Jesus spoke humbly. Am I going to everything? Am I going to fail Jesus in my church right mm-hmm. now? And in the reality is, I don't think Jesus looks at us like that. Oh, I, think I, I would, agree. I think we'd much rather say, you know what? I'm a Christian and I have faith and. I'm not sure what I believe about that, but I know the Bible has something to say about it and I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. I'm going to come back to you and talk to you about it. And I just, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I think, think a lot that of builds are, faith in other people when you're like, I, I don't know. Yeah. Totally. I, and I think that's probably part of our issue too is we've spoken out against things and we're like, this is the way that it is. But like, maybe we, maybe we don't know or maybe we need to find the answer or we've spoken out... Or we, or we invite the or we invite them into right. Hey, would you be willing to unpack this together? Yeah, like I, I would love for you to help mm-hmm. with that. Well, you know, this the one verse I mentioned from Ecclesiastes. Do you know what the end part says? He it says he, he will not let us know what is from beginning to end. Like God does not give us everything. Right, right. I think that's okay. Um, I think a lot of us think that being a, a confident, faithful Christian requires you to have all the answers, and I think. The world is looking at Christians going, you have, don't have any of the answers. You have the same divorce rate as the world. You have the same messed mm-hmm. up families. Yeah, worse probably. And you, you have these things <laughs> and it, it's, just, it's just a bad thing. And I think, I think that's the illusion that as a Christian, your circumstances will change. No, your reality changes because mm-hmm. you have a savior and you have the, the king of the, the universe yeah. that's like in your life and it's changed. So um, this, well, the, the thing I was thinking about when you were saying that also was we flee to what is comfortable and safe. And I said that in the sermon and I thought about it as you were talking, what is comfortable and safe, whether it's the inside group that's pressuring us not to have those conversations or whether it's an outside group calling us a bigot, there's two sources of pressure. The problem is we can't succumb to either point of pressure. Mm-hmm. You were going to say something, Luke, so now I'm... It doesn't seem healthy in context at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After I said a, you know, bigot comment, is that what you say? I was like, you know what? I don't have a good transition for that. So, so, well, so, so I, think, I think what's interesting is Zacchaeus' response, his, his, his heart of gratitude that comes out of this is he, he gives half of his goods to the poor and then he says, if I've defrauded anyone, I restore it fourfold, four times as much. And I said on Sunday, I'm like, that's crazy. Like, be a yeah. financial person. You, you deal. Yeah, with you, you, you can you can do the math there and go. Zac- Zacchaeus is destitute when he's yeah, done. He's destitute. He gave away what was keeping him Ooh. from God. And I think many of us actually sitting in the room, the reason we can't have cultural conversations is we haven't given away what is keeping us from God. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So in that context, like we need to give that away just like Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, that was an act of gratefulness, but it was also an act of repentance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes you wonder, you know, when I look at Zacchaeus, and he, there's, I, I love stories like this in the Bible where it's, what is this, 10 verses? Mm-hmm. There's so much context behind this that we don't know, right? And I, I think that's the beauty of these stories, right? It's like, we don't know if Zacchaeus was actually, I mean, because we're in the 19th chapter of Luke, like we're almost to the end here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're almost into, you know, the triumphal entry and stuff like that. I mean, we're not, we're not super far off from that. Um, we have no idea is, is, you know, is Zacchaeus an old friend of Matthew's? Like we have no idea. Like we have no idea if Zacchaeus has actually been secretly, you know, watching Jesus for a really, really long time. 
Um, and I just, I, th- I think through all of, you know, the ways that, you know, at this point, again, there's probably very few people in Israel who haven't heard some crazy story about Jesus at this point. I mean, with the things that he was doing and the people he was upsetting and the people that he was drawing to himself. Um, and, I, and I love that Zacchaeus, I mean, and this is the, to me, this is probably the most, one of my favorite parts of this story. And, and, it's, and it's simple. And yet I feel like it's, it's really profound. And I'm sure it's not an original thought of mine. Um, it's probably something I read someplace. But like, what, ultimately what happens for Zacchaeus here? He gets noticed. Someone notices him. Mm-hmm. That's it. Jesus notices him in a tree. And to me, that's the most convicting part. You know, and what you what you preached yesterday, and 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 as I as I look back through the scripture, is who do I need to notice? Mm. That's out there. Who is who is Who's Christ calling me to, hey, see that person? Well, and I, I think that's a call for all of us. Oh, I agree. Like, right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, on a Sunday morning, I was, I was teaching our Brookside 101 class a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I said something about, you know, when you see someone that seems out of place or something like that, you can go up to them and, like, help help them. And yeah. If you don't have answers, you know, go to the welcome desk or do something, you know. And as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking, who, like, when you said that, I thought immediately the question is, who is your Zacchaeus? It's right. not if there's a Zacchaeus. No. It's who's your Zacchaeus that mm-hmm. you're going to notice. Because there is someone that you need to notice, yeah. whether it's at church mm-hmm. or whether it's during the week. I, You know, when you walk in a coffee shop, you can know within like about five to 10 seconds. I, I'm really intuitive though. Mm-hmm. Like if people are in a poor emotional state <laughs> or they're okay, or you ever, like my wife and I sometimes we'll go out on a date and we're at a restaurant and we watch the other couples. It's hilarious. It's like people watching. I love it. <laughs> Love it, but you start, but you start realizing that everyone around you has different things going on, mm. and when we get so absorbed in our own world, we mm. forget that that person over there just lost their dad, that person over there has got a broken marriage, mm-hmm. that person over there just lost a child, that person over there, and maybe it's not so dramatic, mm-hmm. but it's also broken relationships. That person over there has forgot the trauma of their childhood. I mean, there's all kinds of things yeah. going on that mm-hmm. could that you can unpack, and they're all end up being. Zacchaeus's right that someone else has that Jesus is seeking and ser- mm. seeking the lost yeah and we've been sent to seek mm. the lost and they may be sitting in church yeah. like that's the thing is like I don't I don't understand how people think church attendance means anything about getting your gold star in heaven but <laughs> that's not what I read <laughs> I read it's a time to gather for the believers to gather as well as also reach other people mm. with the gospel but I think on the on the other side of that challenge, <laughs> yeah. I'm always on the other side. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, we, we like you. I, I, uh, I was just noticing that, that in verse three, it says that Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was. And mm-hmm. I got the thought of like, am I, am I living in such a way that the presence of God is exuding from me that people are actually curious to get to know mm-hmm. me because they see Jesus in me? Yeah. And and then because they're already curious, there's less likely to be a rejection. And so I think yeah. I, I don't know. I just that's that kind of stuck out to me to be like, am I am I so 
living like Jesus that that people are actually seeking to know me because they're like, what is it about you mm. that draws me in? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know you, but I've seen you interact with your kids. I've seen you mm. talk to your wife. Wait, I've seen you. Are you talking about my dad's story, basically? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's that. Don't know what it is. It's exactly that. It. It's that. And I think that, I think that maybe that's another challenge for all of us is, is how do we live more with the presence of God surrounding us to the place where the people will actually be curious about us to where when we, when we do notice them, they're ready to receive because mm-hmm. they've been around us. All right, so last question. I think that's two sides of the same coin. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think that's two sides of the same coin. And I'm glad you mentioned that because yeah. that's really good. So last question for me, okay. Well, I don't have a question for myself, so it's probably the last question. <laughs> well, you could ask me, me myself and I, am I got like- you're, I mean, you're welcome you know, to interrogate me. So I've interrogated you tonight. Yeah. I, I, I probably do that actually. So I, I've been known to talk about myself in the third person. It's, it's <laughs> anyway, that's embarrassing. Um, so we've talked about relational connectedness a lot, right? We've talked about how to engage. We've talked about, um, you know, noticing hmm. the people, right? All of those things are starting points, mm. okay? Right? Mm-hmm. That, those are the starting points. What's, how do we help gauge the fruit as we engage with people? Meaning, like, what are the things that we're looking for as we're trying to invest in our neighbors as the fruit of relationship, the fruit of relational connectedness. And maybe I'm, I'm getting, I'm, I'm concerned that I'm getting blank stares and I'm not doing a good job of asking this no, question. No, no, I, I, I understand just, what you're saying. All right, okay, we're tracking. So all right, I, I, have, I have a flippant answer. That's why you're getting a blank stare. It's great. I'm going to get a flippant answer. Okay, here's a flippant <laughs> answer. Well, you just said, how do, we, how do we gauge the fruit? Um, I don't think it's that our responsibility to do that. Okay. Because I think God draws the heart okay. and the heart can be exposed. We will see fruit. Hmm. I, I have faith that we will see fruit. If we reach our neighbors, like if we're actually actively being like Jesus to our neighbors, we will see fruit. What I'm saying is we may never see the fruit that we want or expect. Ooh, okay. That's what I'm getting at. So like, for example, um, if I got in an argument with David over here, okay? I get in an argument with David some point in that argument, if it's, if it's a normal argument that between friends or whatever, it'd be, well, I'm judging his intent or his feelings, which Mm. we can't know either one of those. Mm -hmm. And those things are both from the heart. And so I think the problem is sometimes we don't realize that the fruit, the eternal fruit that we're looking for is in the heart. And unless someone actually verbalizes it, which is very hard, um, we won't necessarily see it. And then the actions, Zacchaeus in Zacchaeus' estate, we saw there's fruit, immediate fruit. So some of us give up before there's fruit mm. because we're thinking we're tilling dry land or there's stones or there's weeds or whatever parable you want to bring up, okay, right? <laughs> and you're casting seeds out and then everything is not coming up. Um, so I, I, I'm very, very concerned when someone comes to me and says, I'm trying to reach so-and-so, but I've seen no fruit. Mm. Because I don't know that we mm. always know the fruit we're looking for sure. quickly and how to identify that mm. fruit. And maybe that's the bigger issue. I, I didn't know you, you, you thought I was going to go. I, I say flippant, but the reality is no, I, I engage the fruit. I, 
I think that's a totally fair answer. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I think, though I might answer that question a little differently, I think that what you're doing is, is really freeing us to not measure it. Well, and, and, and I think, and I admire that. I think that's exactly the posture. Because if we try to measure it, then we come back to our agenda. Then we come back, like yeah. we're going to all yeah. these different things. And, and I would say this, um, for those that watched on Sunday and sure. saw the sermon and I shared about my dad. Sure. I think he was across the table from people that had no agenda. Right. And did not care about the fruit. Sure. More than they cared about him having dignity and mm -hmm. him having value and mm. him being the person across the table from mm. them. Um, because it wasn't overnight that that happened. Yeah. You know, that I wasn't able to share that part. It wasn't like one dinner, all of a sudden my dad gets saved. It was inviting him over occasionally mm. over a period of time. Sure. And then he's at the table going, okay, what is going on in this family? Like yeah. he describes it as like mm -hmm. this epiphany. Mm. Like all I've ever seen is something completely different. So I think, so the only thing that I would then add to that and i'm happy to have you go david david's got oh i'm sorry more, probably david's got more Come uh on. no i well i lost my thought with luke's that no, um, that's fine i do that I, all the time no, you're good go ahead okay all i was going to say was i think that i think that the piece that we really have to be i, I think you're exactly right looking for the fruit in the other person mm -hmm. is a dangerous proposition and it's not really what we're called to mm -hmm. but i do think as christians we need to be conscious of the fruit in ourselves Mm. Yes. As we engage, yeah. right? Yeah. Am I actually engaging in a fruitful manner? Mm -hmm. Am I planting in a way that is going to, and, and maybe it's just, well, maybe it's just in myself, and the, right? Because ultimately, like in any of these conversations, most of the time, the person that's going to grow the most is you. Mm -hmm. You might be looking to save your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Invariably, and, and I don't mean that we do that then for selfish reasons, mm -hmm. but just my experience has shown me. I mean, and, and I'll go back to like the simplest example. My wife and I were in the, um, what we call the race room, which is like preschoolers for like seven or eight years. And I will tell you all day, those three and four year olds taught me way more about Jesus than I ever taught them. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not, I'm not saying that yeah. flippantly. I'm not yeah. saying that casual. I'm saying to just hang out with a group of, now granted it was exhausting, but... Those three to four-year-olds, you want just like perfect joy, there it is. You want somebody to teach you joy, that's it. Yeah. Three and four-year-olds. And, and so like as I, as I think about this, I'm like, okay, how do I make sure that I'm approaching mm. my neighbor, my Zacchaeus, with peace, mm. with joy, with patience, with kindness, with goodness, right? And I'm making sure that I'm keeping the fruit on my side as rich as I can. Mm. Uh, so that, that's my only... Well, well, when I was when you were saying the question, I yeah. was thinking, how do we measure the fruit? And I'm thinking other people. Right. That's my immediate kind of idea. And um, I think one of the things that you said is something that rings very true. The moments I've had... Just one of them. That's it. Well, <laughs> I know where I'm going with this. The moments I've I'll had... I'll take one. That's the good. The moments I've had the deepest rejection from others yeah. in my faith are the moments I've actually had the most fruit in me. Ooh. 
Okay. So, so I, you know, I think of different periods in my life. And one of the most difficult periods is I went to a California state college and I was like dropped from homeschool land, very conservative, <laughs> sheltered into California state college. And my professors cussed during their lectures. And it was just, <gasps> it was crazy. I what? Know. It was insane. What? But, but the reality was that time period actually was the time period where I look back and I go, man, I was challenged every day in class. I was challenged every day mm. at school with a bunch of people that had diametrically opposed to God beliefs. I was among enemies. Yeah. I'm not saying all of them were enemies, but I'm saying there was a lot yeah, of enemies. Yeah. And that was the period where there was more fruit in my life because that solidified what my faith was. And that's why my faith was what it was. Wow. And so I think we can look at it like mm. someone's rejecting us as an opportunity to kind of have self-pity and, right. and be like, oh, woe is me, or I'm never going to do that again because now I did this and somehow this person rejected me. And they don't realize, like we don't realize that that is just an opportunity to grow. Um, scripture says very clearly, I think we save people to the wrong thing. The gospel says that we're going to share in the sufferings of Christ. And that's going to be that rejection as well. Mm -hmm. yep. And so he was rejected to the point of death on a cross. And we're like whining when someone says something mean about us. Like, <laughs> I, sorry, you know how people say sticks and stones may break? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, no, words hurt. Words really do hurt. Yeah. And I believe that. But on the other hand, I believe in the Holy Spirit that can heal those wounds mm. and can bring us back to battle. Hmm. And so that's just something I figured I'd share when you're talking about the fruit. And no, now David's had 10 minutes to think about. No, I was just thinking about <laughs> you. You mentioned like how do we gauge it and everything, and it and it it took me back to my like childhood Sunday school years when they're like, "How many crowns are you gonna have in heaven, or how many jewels on your crown?" <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Did you guys ever get this? Message? Yes. And so I feel like. Like a lot of my life, I've been I've been concerned more about the jewels on my crown, uh, uh, like subconsciously, than I have been about the people that I'm actually interacting with. Mm. So, like when you face that rejection, it's like, oh dang, I missed a jewel, when, you know, when, or like whatever that is. Yeah, I just think when we when we start um, when we start trying to keep statistics or count or mm. or measure success or the fruit of conversations we're just in it for the wrong thing like jesus didn't ask us mm -hmm. to live our life to get a golden crown oh by the way we're just gonna lay it at his feet when we get there yeah so like i think i he, just think he, that he's that's, the one that gives us the opportunity for the crown and so like i think of it as a missed opportunity if we're so focused right well so, and yeah and is the crown really are the crown and jewels really just the people right is i mean is that at least from there's this, I'm, I'm just reminded of, and if you haven't read it, I'm sorry, I always have a book recommendation. I can't help it. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. There's this fantastic scene about three-fourths of the way through the book uh, where there's this, there's this woman and there's this parade and like all of these people are selling the braiding this woman and, and it's all the people that she influenced. Mm. It was all the, it was her surrounded by all of her Zacchaeuses. And it's just this fantastic image um, of the kingdom where they're, they're celebrating her mm -hmm. for having created relational space for them and investing in them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and naturally then she's pointing that back to Christ, right? right? right. Um, but it just reminds me like as we're, as we're talking yeah. about this, there's it's this beautiful scene. Highly recommend the book. Go get it. Anyway. <laughs> well, anything else? I can't, I don't... No, nothing. I mean, I, I, uh, 
I know that for a lot of people, this will be very intimidating. Oh, yeah. What was challenged with. It's intimidating for me. Isn't leaving, it? leaving space at the table introvert. for others is really hard. Um, but I can tell you that, and I said this on Sunday, I stand before you as someone that's here because someone because gave relational it. space to someone that was not in their social group or age strata, whatever, yeah. um, and just decided to invite them over for dinner and was intentional about it. I don't think that he invited them back over for dinner, by the way. That's the one detail <laughs> I didn't share on Sunday. He's a single guy. And he was just invited over for dinner and they did it over and over and over and over. Yeah. And I think it was over a span of about two years. Wow. So it wasn't something that happened quickly, but they didn't give up. And they also didn't have an agenda with them. He was the one who asked the questions. So in the end, my dad was led to faith mm-hmm. because he asked questions. Yeah. He was like, uh, okay, this is weird. My childhood was terrible. <laughs> I didn't yeah. like what happened in my childhood. And this is so different. And I want my children to be raised this way. So... I mean, what does this look like? And the the great part of it is, think about the impact. We're two generations mm-hmm. out and now we have kids and our kids are being raised up mm-hmm. in the faith. And that would have never happened if it weren't for two obedient people that sat across the table from my dad. So hmm. wow. I love that. And I, and I love also that, like I see so much of that in your passion of ministry. Like you, you, you have this beautiful desire to have people over. To my wife's not always so excited. About well, <laughs> but I mean, but but that's sort of natural too. I mean, like it, it's yeah. There's a whole other. We could do a whole other session on on like giftedness and all of those types of things, which <laughs> yeah. which we won't unpack well, here. But 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 having but, having people engaging people in life. Absolutely. But I mean, like, I, I remember you and I've had several conversations about, oh, we need to get together at this, or we need, you know, we have this people over or whatever. Like you have, you've embodied uh, the beauty of the way that your dad was saved yeah. and have tried to live that out because you've seen the literal fruit that comes from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I admire that. So thank you for leading well in that. Thank you. Luke. Well, uh, we're going to wrap up. So, couple challenges one hope that you recognize that we don't have all the answers either and that we're wrestling through some of these things two would ask all of you to pray over a Zacchaeus that God would bring you a Zacchaeus Uh, please feel free to again like comment subscribe and we will see you next week bye